please welcome to the stage filmmaker Jason Barker. <clears throat> Hi, Jason. Hello. <laughs> filmmaker tells it all to me. Yeah. That's in the introduction, yeah, calling okay, you a filmmaker. Jason, just, if we could just start by you telling me when, over the course of your life, there was a point at which you transitioned from biologically female to male, or whether that was a long, a fluid period of time. Gosh, um, I don't know that there is a point. I don't know. I think that we're very used to these stories being told with photographs, kind of before and after. Yeah. And I sometimes look at before pictures of me, and I think I look a lot more manly then, so I wonder how that story would tell than I do now. So I'm not sure what's before and what's after, and I don't think there's a kind of tipping point like that. I mean, I would tell it to myself if I was looking back now. I talk about... Well, I, I don't, do I talk about it? But if, if I had to, I would tell you that it was um, Boxing Day and it was in Dunwich on East Suffolk and that I was walking along this, and it was a stormy sea and that maybe right then I had some sort of idea of, you know, oh, if I went too near the sea, I could get kind of swept away. And perhaps then I had this idea of, like, you know, a sort of a bit of a life or death kind of thing. And I say life or death, and I don't mean that I was actually thinking I'm going to throw myself in the sea, but I do think there's a point, and I think this is something about anything where, even if you've been living with something for a long time, a kind of, yeah, and you've come to a conclusion, and you've, the conclusion is about telling people, mm. as opposed to, I am now going to transition. It's like, you've known this. And I think there's a point when... What it is, is you realise you can't go on as you are. Telling people or telling yourself? You, you can't it? go on living yeah. a lie. You're going to have okay. to tell people, okay. and you're going to have to tell people who <clears> you are. Yeah. And in that step, and whether this is coming out as gay or lesbian or trans or whatever, in that step, you take a massive risk, because, you know, you're risking your parents mm. and your family and your friends, and you're risking a lot. But it gets to a point where it's like life is untenable the way it is, so you have to tell people. And I suppose that was probably on the beach that I was walking along that I thought, this is when I have to tell people. And so maybe that's a point I could say that was a kind of a pivot moment between not telling and telling. But I'm not sure that there's a point when it's a kind of... Yes. I, I sort of wish there was. I really like the film Orlando. Yeah. Or, the, or the book as well, yeah. that idea of looking in Some the mirror and change. being sort yeah. of same person but different sex. I like that. But and ahead of that, that, ahead of that point, and all of that, <clears throat> you know, in, even though you yourself knew there was something to tell, ahead of that point of thinking, right, I now need to tell this, your sexual orientation in any case had been lesbian, is that correct? Well, this is, I mean, these words, it's funny, I feel, I feel like nowadays we use a lot more words than we mm. did <laughs> when I was a young person. I think when I was a young person, I didn't really care what things were called, <laughs> didn't really have the words for things, I just did lots of things. And I remember lots of discussions. I was living in a lesbian house share in the early 90s in Hackney. Oh, right, OK. So, <laughs> do you know, I remember once coming home and um, the KD Lang song, Constant Craving, was coming out of every bedroom, but at slightly <laughs> different points in the song. Like this, just this, yeah, I can, like a round going on. Anyway, so, and in that house... I think we did, I mean, probably we stretched this word lesbian as far as it possibly could go. I mean, there was one woman who was dating an acrobat, male acrobat, and it was like, she's still a lesbian, we weren't going to argue with her, it was fine. There was, a, you know, it was just, we didn't care about words, really, you know. I think maybe, I don't know, I've got theories that maybe it's like the 
the internet, people trying to find words, trying to find words to describe themselves, yeah. putting new words, using words in a different way, that now maybe we try and pin things down with language yeah. that perhaps back in my day we didn't. And people are troubled by the language, aren't they, and disorient, wrong-footed by it almost. You find people kind of almost not wanting to say the wrong word. Yeah, and, it, and it's words. I, I, I mean, <coughs> I, I, I worked with a young person once who said that labels and people are like cats and boxes, that if you put a box on the floor, then a cat will get in it. If you put the cat in the box, the cat will jump straight back out again. <laughs> and I thought that was very <laughs> wise about... This wise, it, it, it's great. It, you know, clever young people, I think they're the people that I'm listening to. They, they, yeah, that, yeah, trying to pin things, trying to label things. I just feel like constantly, every time we try and do that and every time we make a barrier, then there's always going to be... People don't form. People aren't like that. People are. And so acknowledging the limits of the language yeah. um, and even perhaps the kind of uh, the hazards of the language more than the limits. Nonetheless, you have spoken about a sense of discomfort, which actually I would hope all of humanity feels at some level, in your own skin, a sort of jostling to try and find some kind of place of being, which yeah. did relate to... Um, gender and sexuality and I was I was struck particularly with what you commented on in, in the film which we might get to yeah, yeah, we're see, see a the odd of clip clips. of was how in fact as a lesbian um, woman you were more open or more vulnerable to the you know the violent inclinations of many men the abusive inclinations of many oh. men unlike being a transition male absolutely and that's something <coughs> I talk about in the film is that um, you know, as a butch lesbian, got all sorts of hassle mm -hmm. all the time that I absolutely didn't get just looking like, you know, white bloke walking down the street. Mm. I mean, that seems obvious to me. That mm. doesn't happen. Mm. Now, I feel like I'm tipping a bit the other way in my kind of, you know, slightly convoluted journey in mm. this. Um, you know, and I can see it coming back. I mean, the last time I had hassle in the street was two years ago, and a bloke um, punched me and said, why do you look like a dyke? which is such a strange question. I always find, when you get, whenever I get hassled in the street, it's like the person has seen into my mind and said the very thing. It's always like, it's, it's always got this kind of, ow, how did you know? What, how did you, you know? At school, I used to get, um, you know, from when I was young, I used to get teased because people said, you think you're a boy. And it's like, how do they know? But this guy, why do you look like a dyke, was his thing. And I remember I didn't have an answer, obviously, and I stood there a bit like, like that, and then, but you know, and, and so that was, yeah. It's, it's about not fitting into somebody else's ideas of what's this and what's that. Should we before we talk about? Oh, should yeah, we show yeah, a clip? I'd love to show a clip. That'd be great, actually. That, that has nothing in relation to anything that we've just spoken about. Because I chose the clips. I don't know. I didn't know before we were we talking about it, this. Before we go on to the films, oh, yeah. the, so the films called a deal with, with the, the universe. universe. Why yeah. is it called that? Why is it called that? Because it's a lot about. Um, it's a lot about medicine, really, and it's a lot about. Um, the limits of medicine, because it's about fertility and it's about the stuff that we don't know. And it's about if you're trying to have a baby and you're going through a fertility treatment, there's so much that you can put in place and there's so much people can tell you and you can be, everything can be really on the cards, nearly. But there's that magic that nobody knows. And that magic became a bit of a preoccupation, obviously, for me, because my partner and I were trying for 15 years. And partly what that magic did is it had a lot about deserving. And I think because of us and because of 
me being trans and because of us being, you know, partner being like whatever, lesbian or bi, whatever, it kind of felt like we weren't deserving. And I think that for a long time, that's what we thought. That's the reason we thought we weren't having a baby, is we thought we weren't having a baby is because we didn't deserve that in our lives. Um, and that's because that's really what we've been told. So the clip that I'd like to show you, the first clip, um, I'll give a, can I give a really quick backstory yeah, yeah, to this? Because I realise yeah. otherwise it's just going to come. Yeah. So this is a really quick backstory of the film and of the, the life of my life. But so, um, so I transitioned. Um, my partner and I were trying to have a baby, my partner Tracy, and it wasn't working with her. And then she had some tests and they said that it wasn't likely to work with her eggs. So then we had this idea that we'd use <clears throat> my eggs and we could take them out and fertilise them and put them in her. And we had a few obstacles. Somebody, an ethics committee in one clinic, said that they didn't think it would be conducive to the welfare of a child to have me as a parent. And this is only, how long ago? 15 years ago or so. Um, anyway, then we found a clinic who would do it. Lots of money. And um, we did that, and we were really hoping that was our big time. And I'd started filming, because I thought it would be a short film. Um, and then... My partner, it didn't work, and my partner, Tracy, got breast cancer, sort of all more or less simultaneously. So the first clip is that, really. It's, and I, I think I chose the clip because I thought it was, to me, it's about love. And you, before we go on, oh. even, even Tracy's breast cancer, you were <clears throat> almost worried that you were somehow bringing this, all this on yourself by doing things that you felt ought, you oughtn't to be doing, that the pregnancy wasn't working, the breast cancer was arriving, as just punishment for these efforts, which was... Yeah, I mean, it sounds terrible no, well, to say, but I mean, I think... awful to feel I, it. I feel like, and it was interesting hearing what, what Will was saying, I do feel like we're from a generation of LGBT people who grew up under Section 28, and the impact of that, the impact of being sort of growing up thinking that you were somebody who people couldn't talk about, who, couldn't, who didn't exist, I think that's really had a lasting effect on a lot of the ways of thinking and on the mental health of my generation. And a sense of guilt. Yeah, yeah, guilt and shame and Blame. all those lovely things. But, um, but you know, and I suppose that's, that's... Shall we show the clip? Yeah, show the clip. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Got to be the tip diaries. <laughs> you don't have to get your knockers out. I'm putting my knockers in. Oh, I see. Thank you. It's because I have my brawler undone. No, good news today. Stage one cancer. Boss. Yeah, no, but life isn't going to be the same again because no, it's, it's like. Not. I wish I had a fucking tripod, it's so unfair. Unless I balance the camera onto something. Yeah, to move slightly. Fourth of August, and I haven't. I haven't. Oh, no, but documentaries always have computer screens in the background. Yes. We've been together for 10 years. And Nearly. We, and we years started ago, out 10 years ago with four breasts between us. <laughs> oh, we will be very lucky to have one. We will have one. <laughs> we will have one, unless it's something with the lymph, yeah. which is pretty unlikely. Because Tracy's always been one for flashing her knockers. I have. So I've only got one you left know, to flash. Years. Oh, God, flash the one. One of the first times. What was that club that said no, no I'm fat girls? And you. I'm worried that when I when I do have no breast here, if you put your bra on like this and your bra, I, th I think maybe you, your tits kind of stop that. I think the bra might go like that. 
because there'd be no tit to hold it in place. It might go slip. No, it'll just go flat. It'll just go flat and empty. So it won't slip up because there's no, no. weight of bosom no. in it. No, it'll be like it'll be like me wearing a bra. <laughs> Don't look. It just stays. So do do this. Yeah, it pulls up a bit. Yeah, so you'll have one in there. Mind you, this, that's, one just, this is not the right size. Your 36 just, bra would be the right size for you. This is a 38. <laughs> yeah. This looks rather nice. I like these on your manly shoulders. Freckles. I do, I like those. <laughs> God, it really, you know, it's like, in all of this, people have been saying, oh, yeah. I can see it, but this, you know. When, you, when I've got my arm down, you can't. I've got hairy armpits, so I'm embarrassed. You can see it now. But it's probably because it's got a dirty, big, bloody marker thing on it. So yeah, that annoying. isn't the cancer, it hasn't. No, the cancer hasn't okay. turned into a black, dotted line. Toadstool circle. <laughs> Toadstool <laughs> circle. But it's going soon. It only has a few days left. It's the mid-90s, Tracy and I have just got together and we're driving up to Blackpool for the weekend. We stop halfway at a service station and we've got cups of coffee and jam donuts. And there are these blokes on the table next to us and they notice me. I've got very short hair and big butch tits back then. And they start all this, oh, a fucking dyke. You know, look at the state of that. And Tracy, she gets her jam donut she splits it in two and she rubs the jam all over her face. I'll give them something to look at, she says. I think, wow, I love you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> The extraordinary um, <clears throat> thing in the film is your very palpable love for each other, but the, com the complete um, comfort and brazenness of which bodies are declared on the screen, you know, just the kind of flesh of you <laughs> consistently all the time. And the fact that that flesh, we attach so much weight to it, don't we, in how it ought to be. In all sorts of mm. frames, you know, if, if there are issues in healthcare, let alone, you know, what we're expecting our adolescents to look like, but also our very fixed notions of what a man ought to look like or a woman ought to look like. But your flux across the film, internal flux, but also your outward mm. flux, both of you, is really fascinating and important. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like if you're with someone for 20 years, for however long, your bodies are constantly changing. Anybody's body is constantly changing. That's the nature of time. Change through time is what we're all doing. And, um, you know, and there are some changes that are told in one way and some changes that are told in another way. But I think that's really interesting with, well, with the film and with Tracy and I, you know, is that the film, you know, you always get a shot of surgery in a documentary about a trans person, but in this case it's Tracy <laughs> and not me. And you usually get shots of needles, but in this case it's... It's me injecting oestrogen because, oh, so I haven't told you the rest of it. That's not going to make any sense because then, um, so after this clip and then um, what happens? So Tracy has surgery and then we have to rethink. So we have the idea that maybe 
I would get pregnant. And at the time, we think it's all a bit of a joke and a bit funny, and it will be really quick. And I've got this kind of very sort of very logical way of approaching it and think that, well, it's going to be about a year, that'll be it. And, you know, I'll fix this problem that we have. And then a year later, I sort of, I had this, I, had, I remember having this really bonkers idea right then of um, that I would have this baby and that I'd somehow be at the pub. That, like, you know, like I'd be kind of like back to, because I think that's also, I should say, that back then I did have this very sort of like quite a limited idea of what being a man meant. And I liked it. I thought it was great fun. <laughs> so I did. I, I did. I didn't really see very much problem in that at the time. So my idea was like, I'd be like, yep, you know. Uh, and, what um, baby in one arm? Pointing at you, yeah. I wouldn't be holding the baby. I think. No, I, that, was, that was my picture. And then the whole process took years and years and years and years and years. And in that time, I guess, I mean, I don't know. And this is what, but I suppose this is my fascination as well with, with gender generally. I'm not going to do that thing now where I'm talking to a load of people who know a lot more than me and I'm going to sort of speculate on something about psychology. But there's a psychological term that I really like, which is embodied and embedded. And it's the idea that there's embodied is like the kind of like the us. Now, whether that's personality or like our brain matter or soul or spirit or whatever. And then there's embedded, which is sort of everything, how we're treated from the moment we're born or assumptions and expectations and... To me, it's a balance of that, and it's such an individual thing. And so, I guess, all I can say is that as my body becomes feminised, becomes more female, as I'm trying to get pregnant, something changes as well. And, I mean, whether that thing changes, whether I'm, whether I'm changing because I'm approaching middle age, whether I'm changing because... I don't know. So, it's a, it's a film about change, and it's a film about... I suppose what we were talking about is a film about... And it's funny, because when I was making the film, I thought I would come up with conclusions. I thought in the act of making a film, the act of editing your life and telling your story, yeah. that I'd come up with Clear. this... Yeah, that I'd come up with this really neat ending that would be the definitive, and now this is me, sort of ending. And when that wasn't coming, I was a bit worried about what was... And the interesting thing about um, <clears throat> transition men being pregnant, and you joke about this in the film, there have been about six first pregnant men. Yeah. Um, it's that it's really disorientating to many people, isn't it? It's almost as if they find themselves thinking, well, hold on a minute, have you really transitioned? Or actually, that's the female role. Which role are you occupying yeah. here? I know, and again, it's like... I mean, it's funny, because that six pregnant men that I said, I said that in, that, um, in an article in The Guardian, <laughs> and then it's a bit like... Um, Gavin of the robot sex mm. said about where you get misquoted yeah. is that then people take your article and they and it said Barker says there have been six pregnant men and I was like oh, that's a joke <laughs> it was but it was because actually it's it's the truth that the Daily Mail reported the UK's first pregnant man for three years running with three different pregnant men with absolutely no sense of, oh, hold, hold on, didn't we do... No. It's, and um, a friend of mine has, has spoken a lot about this. It's a friend of mine called C.N. Lester, and they talk about... They call it the shock of the new. And what they say is it's because... They say the trans community can never get a kind of foothold. We can never properly exist. We're always presented as the first. So it's always, look what they're doing now! They're having children now! And then, of course, every time you get the... I mean, I remember, so when I was, um, when 
my kid was 18 months old. Look, I've told you the end. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, do you know what? When we had our premiere at the BFI, I couldn't resist it. I had to say to everyone, look away if you don't like a spoiler. And then Laurie, who's now eight, came on stage. So that was it. You know, people know the end. It's the journey. Yeah. Um, so when our kid was 18 months old, I went to a documentary development thing to try and get some money to make the film. And um, while I was there, the Sun newspaper did this bounty. Do you know the UK's first pregnant man, money given for information on a half-page ad? And then people were texting me saying, my God, there's a bounty on you. Um, and they interviewed various people, various Christians, and Widdicombe said... This is hardly going to be conducive to a happy childhood. Now, that sounds... I mean, who listens to Anne Widdicombe's opinions on, I mean, on childcare, really? But anyway, on any... Well, you know... Well, actually, I quite like her on reality TV, but there we go, I don't know. So, but, so she said that. Now, I don't know, other people who are parents, when you've got a small baby, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know if you're doing the right thing. You don't know if you're good enough at all. And you're so vulnerable. And so I, was, I remember just... I, I, I was trying to get this money, and I was at this thing, and I'm kind of like sitting in my pants in the hotel room, looking at the text, just like, what have I done? What have I done? You know? And Widdicombe thinks that our kid isn't going to be happy, but actually that did really affect me and really bother me. You know, this, the, the idea that these kind of pundits, rent-a-gobs, could say, you know, this poor child. Um, and people said that after the Guardian article, but the, by that time, my kid's eight. I'm like, it's all right, you know? He's all right, and I can see that. But at that time... I suppose that's why I didn't make the film until much later. Can I ask you, and this yes. is, so I was going to ask you specifically almost, but I think it's a bigger question, what, whether you felt during that period of pregnancy, male, but actually it's a wider question than that. Are you able to, are you able to locate the bit of you that feels male and female, or is that as much of a contrived no. idea as the language we're trying to attach to this? No, I don't think I could. <clears throat> so I do... I do lots of training with people. I work for an organisation called Gendered Intelligence and we go around, we do training and we talk a lot about gender and we make, facilitate discussions and I talk to all sorts of people in the last couple of weeks, I've spoken to prison officers and people who do accommodation in universities and hospitals quite often as well. So all sorts of people and I quite often ask people, if you had to convince somebody that you're the gender you feel yourself to be without reference to your physical body, what would you say to somebody? And everyone kind of, thinks about stereotypes, like a checklist, thinks about things they've done. And then there's a discussion and people say, well, I like this and I like this. And everyone says, yeah, but a woman could like that and like that. It doesn't mm. mean anything. And then mm. sometimes somebody will say, if you took my brain out of my head and it was kind of kept alive in a jar, that that brain, me, would have a sense, I would still know that I'm a woman or I'd still know that I'm a man. Other people listen to that and they say, no, I'm just me, they'll say. And I just think there is no... That what is being a man, what is being a woman, is, seems to be that there isn't... We don't... We, Discreteness. We, it's, it's completely discreet. individual. It's that embodied and embedded thing. But it's, having experienced the... Yeah. Or lived the spectrum of that, and therefore, undoubtedly, thought about it a lot in yeah. yourself, what do you, when you then look out <clears throat> on, an, on society that kind of, you know, adheres to these poles, do you sit there sort of wondering about people and thinking... You're convincing yourself a bit here about no, I think that I think that we all, we all have to get on with our lives, you know, and we, we have certain patterns, certain things that we do that work for us. Mm. I mean, I, th I feel very yes. strongly that <clears throat> how 
gender, this big ethereal thing that we, we know it's a lot of social constructs. Some people, it feels very much an identity. Mm. That, to me, is a very varying thing according, on the, according to the individual. Um, that, to me, we formulate our, our theory of what that is to fit ourselves. Mm. That's how we live our lives. Mm. We, otherwise, we would spend our whole... You, um, we spend our whole life in this kind of weird, fluid mm. spectrum, unable to go to the toilet, actually. Mm. It's a lot of structural <laughs> things. There's a lot about geography that we have to negotiate. But I was going to say that idea of being pregnant and feeling like a man, actually being pregnant was incredibly liberating from gender because I just felt pregnant. I felt so overwhelmingly physically pregnant and so full of, I think it's progesterone. I didn't care. I was like, you know, just whatever. Like, like it, the hormone of pregnancy is such that I remember at the beginning of pregnancy, um, I signed up to all these things that tell you how big your baby is. And they're really cute because it's like, you know, uh, I don't know, I'm probably going to get it right. It's like, it's like month, you're one month pregnant. Your baby's the size of a grape. And then you can't help kind of getting some grapes and be like, baby. And then you're like, you know, and then you get to like, you're, you're six weeks pregnant. Your baby's the size of an apricot. And you're like, an apricot, you know. And then it gets really scary because it's suddenly like, hey, you're two and a half months pregnant, whatever. Your baby's the size of a mango. You're like, what kind of mango? <laughs> A mango. And then you're in the supermarket like, shit, a mango. <laughs> My God. And then you think, yeah, but it's only going to go in one direction from there. And then, and then I remember it all got really weird because they obviously ran out of fruits after a while. <laughs> and, and I remember it said, your baby's the size of a box turtle. <laughs> I don't even know what a box turtle is. But it sounds all hard and painful, a box turtle. So I was like looking up on, I was like Googling images. What is a box turtle? I remember it being the size of a squirrel. And I remember thinking, like with tail, or if you, do you know what I mean? Now, like if you took it including air, it's big, it's massive. But if you pressed a squirrel, actually I was thinking if you put a condom on it, it would actually become, but, but yeah, I mean, all of those, all of those fears, but then there's a point in pregnancy when something does change, when the horm for me, the hormones clicked in, and suddenly I was saying things like, in this really kind of like unfocused kind of way, I was saying, I'm going to just do a hypnobirth at home. <laughs> it's going to be really lovely. I just breathe. And so I did. And I mean, that was my plan. I went to kind of hypnobirthing lessons. I honestly strode through the whole thing. I floated through the whole thing, just like, I'm having a baby, you know. It was lovely. Well, <coughs> we're almost out of time. I just oh, no. Put, God, have we got on. the last... Yeah, should we show another the clip? Have we got the last bit of the film on the clips? No. Okay, well, I, then I wasn't you choose going to give a spoiler, and I've given no, you all the clip, spoilers now. Let's have a, I, well, let's it, have is, a it is a clip, so I give a quick of... Yeah. It, it illustrates maybe a bit of... What does it... No, just... What, we just can we watch clip two, please, Lee? Thank you. The only thing, as I was saying to you, Trace, mm. is that I was on the tube, and I was coming home this evening, and I had a kind of feeling in my belly of something saying, hello. Actually, it was a bit more than that, if I was to elaborate. God, it's definitely your child then, isn't it? <laughs> no, I just had a feeling of something saying... It's definitely got no, your genes. No, I, no, I was feeling... It slight... was yabbing as soon as the bloody conception's happening. It's going... Hello. I know you're there. 
I'm going to video everything and then I'm going to show you this one day when you're older and we're going to laugh. I'm going to laugh about mummy being all pragmatic. I know you're there. She knows you're there, really. What kind of breathing have you been doing today? I've been breathing energy into my heart and breathing energy into my punani. <laughs> I'll be doing yogic breathing. And what's that to help with? It's to help with, um, make, oh, it's just nonsense, really, but isn't it yoga? It's nonsense. It's to help the, the cluster of cells, which hopefully is there now, which I'm pretty sure is there now. It's just a sort of, you know, what it said in the yoga book is that now <clears throat> your head has nothing to do with it. You can't will this to happen. It's all down to the body, and it's like the body's taken over. So you breathe energy into the body, away from the head. So just go, it's like a conveyor escalator on your spine. First junction, heart, and then lower abdomen, heart. And where don't you breathe into? Head, because the head gets in the way of it. Do you want to know? Where are we with plan B? We'll know on Wednesday whether it's worked or not. Can we do a cycle with Clomid? And you made two large follicles, which is very good. And we had the best. Which should mean we've got twice the chance. We had our favourite nurse, didn't we? Oh, yes. Our favourite nurse did the. Um, insemination so it went very well and what was it that she said to us at the end she said if anybody deserves some luck you two do or something are we pregnant or not i'm not tempting fate i know you like to think i'm not I'm not pushing it. I'm not pushing it. I'm not predicting. Why are you asking me what my prediction was? Okay, well, it was, a, it was silly. I shouldn't have done that. More about me. What? You're being very cheeky today. I've been slightly grumpy about, um, I've not been feeling that comfortable with the trans men of late. Because they're all getting willies, having their vaginas sewn up. And it seems a million miles away from where I am at the moment. Jeez. Jason, don't film me, help me. What do I need to do? Bastard. Where is I'll Tony? I'll go back to Tony with my one breast. So Where is he? I feel about that. Where is he? I don't know. I can hear his frigging voice, can't I? <laughs> I can't see him. I can hear him. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.